Welcome to Brain Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com, where smart happens. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks, with more than 85,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature. For Brain Stuff listeners, Audible is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their service. One audiobook to consider is The Pluto Files, The Rise and Fall of America's Favorite Planet by Dr. Neil deGrasse Tyson. Listen to the fascinating history, beginning with the discovery of Pluto, through its ultimate declassification as a planet, as written by HowStuffWorks' favorite astrophysicist. That's The Pluto Files, The Rise and Fall of America's Favorite Planet, available from Audible. To try Audible free today and to get a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash brainstuff. That's audiblepodcast.com slash brainstuff. Hi, I'm Marshall Brain with today's question. How do artificial sweeteners work? At many restaurants, you find that container on the table. It holds little packs of sugar along with little packets of artificial sweeteners. And anyone who is on a diet is familiar with artificial sweeteners. They're a big part of the dieting scene because they make low-calorie soft drinks and desserts possible. Even though they're ubiquitous, artificial sweeteners are also a little mysterious. What is happening when you eat or drink an artificial sweetener? The appropriate starting point is sugar, also known as sucrose. This is the real sweetener compared to the artificial sweetener, and it's against sugar that all artificial sweeteners get measured. What is sugar and what makes it sweet? Sucrose is officially known as a disaccharide, meaning that it has two saccharides. One of the saccharides is a glucose molecule, and the other is a fructose molecule. When sucrose hits your tongue, it triggers the sweetness sensors in your taste buds, and these sensors send a this-is-sweet message to your brain. Any molecule that shares the same characteristics that trigger the taste buds will cause that same this-is-sweet message to go to your brain. So an artificial sweetener is simply any molecule other than sucrose that happens to trigger the taste buds in a way that's similar to sucrose. In most cases, when scientists are looking for artificial sweeteners, they want the substitute molecule to have less calories than sucrose or to have some other difference that makes it better than sucrose in some way. For example, an artificial sweetener might cause fewer cavities than sucrose or might be better for diabetics than sucrose. The granddaddy of all artificial sweeteners is saccharin, which has been around for more than a century. Compared to sucrose, saccharin is hundreds of times sweeter when it hits the human tongue. The only problem with saccharin is the aftertaste that this same molecule triggers elsewhere on the tongue. Where sucrose only seems to interact with sweet-sensing taste buds, saccharin also interacts with taste buds that send bitter signals to the brain. Saccharin's advantage is that it has zero calories, perfect for dieters, and saccharin does not really enter the bloodstream, so for diabetics it's a win as well. People either live with the aftertaste or food scientists blend saccharin with other artificial sweeteners in the hope of masking that aftertaste. 
The most popular artificial sweetener is aspartame, sold under the brand names like NutraSweet and Equal. Aspartame burst onto the scene around 1974 when the Food and Drug Administration approved it in the United States. Aspartame quickly started to replace saccharin because it doesn't have that bitter aftertaste. The only real problem with aspartame from a taste standpoint is that it keeps triggering the taste buds for too long. As with saccharin, blending aspartame with other artificial sweeteners can help address its taste problem. If you're a manufacturer, aspartame has two problems. First, it does not like heat. So you won't see aspartame used in baked products like cookies or cakes. Aspartame also degrades with time and loses its sweetness. So a can of soda that contains aspartame can lose its sweetness over time. You may recall that soda started getting expiration dates after aspartame came out. This is one reason why. If you look up aspartame on the internet, you'll find quite a bit of material claiming that it's poisonous. There are lots and lots of videos on YouTube that will make this claim and explain to you why aspartame can cause problems for some people. But hundreds of millions of people have been using this chemical for decades with not that many complaints, and it's hard to argue with an experiment that has a sample size that's that immense. Sucralose, which is sold under the brand name Splenda, is the next most popular artificial sweetener after aspartame. To make sucralose, a manufacturer starts with normal sucrose and chemically changes it by adding chlorine atoms. Of the artificial sweeteners sold today, sucralose is the sweetest, about twice as sweet as saccharin, which is already hundreds of times sweeter than sucrose. Combine that with the fact that the body does not digest most of the sucralose you ingest, and it's a zero-calorie sweetener. Sucralose lacks the bitter aftertaste of saccharin and the stability problems of aspartame, so it's likely to overtake aspartame as the most popular artificial sweetener in the near future. Sucralose was approved by the FDA in 1998, which is why it feels much newer than saccharin and aspartame do. If you hunt around on the internet and look on YouTube, you can find videos that claim that Splenda actually contains as many calories as a packet of sugar when you use it in a little packet like you would find at a restaurant. The reason is because of the bulking agents used, one of which is dextrose. Is this true? According to Splenda.com, it is true. Quote, like other no-calorie sweeteners on the market, Splenda no-calorie sweetener packets and Splenda no-calorie sweetened granulated products contain a small amount of carbohydrate, less than one gram per serving, to provide volume and texture. These common food ingredients are dextrose in the packets and maltodextrin packets and granulated. These ingredients provide so few calories per serving that all Splenda no-calorie sweetener products meet the Food and Drug Administration's criteria for no-calorie foods, less than five calories per serving, end quote. Per gram, therefore, these Splenda products actually contain about as many calories as normal sugar does. Then there are the sugar alcohols. Xylitol is one sugar alcohol that you may have heard of. Sugar alcohols do have calories, 2.5 calories per gram versus 4 calories per gram for sugar, but not as many as sucrose. One big advantage is the fact that they won't cause cavities and are safer for diabetics. One caution is that for many people, xylitol acts like a laxative when consumed in larger quantities. 
And finally, there's stevia, derived from plant fibers, which has been gaining momentum since FDA approval came in 2008. It's about as sweet as saccharin without the bitter aftertaste, and it has zero calories. It's been gaining traction in the marketplace recently because of a big advertising campaign and because it got a lot of publicity around its approval. What this means is that the little restaurant container on the table is getting more and more complex. It once contained only sugar and saccharin. Now it may contain three or four different artificial options. Pick the one that tastes best to you. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks, with more than 85,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature and featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. To try Audible free today and to get a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash brainstuff. That's audiblepodcast.com slash brainstuff. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. <laughs> 